Welcome to the Misconceptions Podcast, where we discuss those common misconceptions that we all share and where they come from, and any other interesting little tidbits we may find along the way. This is your host, Derek, coming to you from our broadcast studio somewhere in the Arizona desert. Don't worry, folks, it's a dry heat. I know you've got a lot of podcasts to choose from, so thank you for hanging with me for a few minutes. All right, today we're going to talk about flat earthers. So, beginning in the 19th century, a historical myth arose which held that the predominant cosmological doctrine during the Middle Ages was that the Earth was flat. Yeah, right. So, the original modern flat Earth hypothesis originated with the English writer Samuel Robotham. I just like saying that name, Robotham. And uh, he was alive from 1816 to 1884. And what he did is he did a study called the Bedford Level Experiment. I will leave it to the gentle listener to go Google that themselves. And he published a pamphlet called the Zetetic uh, astronomy. Yeah, that's what he called it. And he en- ended up expanding that later on into a book called Earth, Not a Globe. And what he did is he proposed that the Earth is a flat disk centered at the North Pole and then bound along these southern edges by a wall of ice, also known as Antarctica. And he held that the sun and the moon were merely 3,000 miles above the Earth and that the cosmos, air quotes, was 3,100 miles above the Earth. That's kind of funny. I think I put over 3,000 miles on my car last year. He also published a leaflet titled The Inconsistency of Modern Astronomy and Its Opposition to the Scriptures, which argued that the Bible, alongside our senses, supported the idea that the earth was flat and immovable, and this essential truth should not be set aside for a system based solely on human conjecture. All right, if you've been listening so far, you already know that I think this guy's a wackadoo. So Robotham and his followers like William Carpenter, gained attention by successful use of pseudoscience in public debates with leading scientists at the time, like uh, Alfred, Sir Alfred Russell Wallace. And he also created the Zetetic Society in England and New York, and he shipped over a thousand copies of the Zetetic Astronomy. i got to check one of those down. I'd like to read that. All right, so after Robotham's death, uh, Lady Elizabeth Blunt too many jokes, established a universal satetic society whose objective was the propagation of knowledge related to natural cosmogony cosmogony, in confirmation of the holy scriptures based on practical scientific investigation. Yeah, so basically what it sounds like to me she wanted to do is prove that the earth was flat using the scriptures. So she parlayed that into a magazine, The Earth Not a Globe Review, and (laughs) funny enough, it was active well into the 20th century. The um, Flat Earth Journal, Earth, a monthly magazine of sense and science, uh, was also published by, by Lady Blunt. Uh, between 1901 and 1904. So she she did her best to get the, this information out there, this this misinformation out there. I, I, it probably would have died a, a natural death of, I mean, come on, geez, it's just crazy. So, and, but then the, uh, the American writer, uh, Washington Irving, the same Washington Irving of the Sleepy Hollow, uh, Headless Horseman fame, uh, maintained, uh, wrote in, in this time, and he maintained that, that Christopher Columbus had to get over the opposition of churchmen uh, for his uh, voyage of exploration. What's interesting about Irving's writings on Columbus is that they're his, kind of a mixture of history and fiction. He actually spent quite a bit of time 
um, doing some extensive research in the Spanish archives. Um, but that wasn't good enough for him. And so he, he threw in, you know, some imaginative elements. Uh, you know, he was just trying to punch up the story. I think just trying to write a bestseller. And so the first of these works he wrote is, is that myth that the medieval Europeans believed the earth was flat. And according to the popular book, um, Columbus proved that the earth was round. Um, we know that that is not even remotely close to what was going on at the time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Irving had some contemporaries, uh, specifically Andrew Dixon White and John William Draper, who used uh, this information or used what he'd written uh, in their advocacy uh, of the thesis uh, that there's a that there's been this conflict between science and religion. And um, uh, but we really know that you know we studied it since then. It shows that most scholars in the Middle Ages, including many that were read by Christopher Columbus, they all knew the Earth was around. They knew it was a sphere. And studies of the uh, historical connections between science and religion uh, demonstrated that theories of their mutual antagonism ignore examples of their support. So a a good example, a modern example uh, for all of those listening is uh, where I live in Arizona is We've got uh, several observatories uh, uh, up on top of uh, Mount Graham. Uh, One of them is the Vatican um, Observatory, and it's run by the Vatican i.e. the Catholic Church. So we have monks that are running around in town with, with the robes on. They're pretty awesome. Um, but but you've got uh, you've got full-on members of the Catholic Church that are scientists. And so I, I just it, it boggles my mind that, to think that sci- scientists have always been... Some of Irving's contemporaries, specifically John William Draper and Andrew Dixon White, used it as a major element in their advocacy of the thesis that there's a, that there's been this conflict in, between science and religion, um, which... You know, we, we all know. I mean, if you really look at it, we know that, that that's not true. So, you know, subsequent studies of medieval science have shown that scholars in the Middle Ages, um, probably, in fact, we know that Columbus read a lot of these guys. Uh, they knew that the Earth was a sphere. The, and studies between science and religion that, that demonstrated that theories of mutual antagon, antagon, I don't know why I can say that word, antagonism, ignore many examples of their mutual support. A, a modern-day one is the, the Vatican scope up on, on Mount Graham run by the, the Vatican. Um, and they're doing a lot of cool deep space research. Then in 1956, a man named Samuel Shenton set up the International Flat Earth Research Society, uh, which we all know it is the Flat Earth Society, in Dover, UK. And he set this up as a direct descendant of the Universal Zetetic Society. Unfortunately for him, his timing was really, really crappy, because right as he started it, uh, the society, uh, the Soviet unions, had to go and launch Sputnik. And his response was... And I quote, would sailing around the island of white prove that it was spherical? It is just the same for those satellites. So he was convinced that these satellites are just flying around about 3,000 miles out in space uh, around the outside of these flat disk, this plate that we live on, I guess, that's that's, uh, circled by ice. And he, he stated his primary aim was to reach children before they were convinced that the Earth was a sphere. Despite plenty of public, he got a lot of publicity. Uh, the space race pretty much um, uh, killed any support anybody had for Sheldon and the Britons until '67, um, when the Apollo program kicked off. In '72, Shenton's role was taken over by Charles Johnson, a correspondent from California. Uh, he went ahead and incorporated, grew the membership up to about 3,000 people, and um, you know, with this newfound time and money, he was able to examine a lot of the theories and come up with. Uh, what he felt was evidence of a conspiracy against the flat earth idea. Uh, he felt that Columbus, FDR, and Moses had all fought against it. And uh, 
published an article in Science uh, Digest in 1980 to that uh, extent. Um, but again, you know, going back to the Bedford uh, experiments uh, with the with the surface of a large body of water must be curved, and they went and looked at Tahoe and the Salton Sea and didn't detect any curvature. To which I would say those bodies of water are not large enough. Then in the 90s, uh, unfortunately for him, this, uh, there was a fire um, at their headquarters in California, and then um, uh, the John- Johnson died in, in 01. Um, and, uh, but in, oh, so we saw the society really take a dip in membership and probably would have gone away if it weren't for the rise of modern social media. And a man named Daniel Shenton, in relation to the original Shenton, revived it as a website in 04. His uh, belief is that no one has proved provided proof that the world is not flat. Okay, buddy. And uh, so using, uh, again, using pseudoscience, much like the the very first uh, proponents of it did back in the day, um, standing on street corners and, and uh, preaching and, and writing pamphlets, uh, the, the web has given these people um, the platform uh, to spread these pseudoscientific ideas and build stronger followings. So the flat earth conjecture has flourished in this environment. So and the reason this is interesting to every single person walking on the face of the earth, it shows that no idea is too stupid for someone out there to believe. All right, folks, I hope you have a good one and uh, you keep reaching for the stars.